Hey there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and I get to be here today with co-founder of Girl Defined, Bethany Beal. Just a disclaimer, today's episode is going to deal with some mature topics like God's design for sexuality. So if you have little ears listening, you might want to put the headphones in. But if you have older teenagers or young women nearby, you might want to turn the volume up or invite them to the conversation because this is going to be good. Bethany Beal and her sister, Kristen Clark, are co-founders of Girl Defined, a ministry that focuses on God's beautiful design for womanhood and love. Bethany and Kristen are also authors of three books, Girl Defined, Love Defined, and Sex, Purity, and the Longing of a Girl's Heart. So Bethany, thank you for taking time to talk with us today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited that you're, you know, you're willing to dig into these deeper topics. It's something I really enjoy discussing. So thanks for making this happen. Yeah. Well, before we get into it, we'd like to ask all of our guests what your favorite prayer closet is. Where do you like to go to be close to God? Mm, that is a really good question. You know, I actually have a little one-year-old and we live in an apartment, so it's kind of small. And honestly, my escape place is actually like the bathtub. <laughs> so yeah. when I'm in the bathtub, I just kind of, it's a great place really for me to, uh, sometimes I'll listen to worship music or just pray. It's very calming and peaceful. And when I'm in the bath, no one bothers me. So it's, it's kind of uh, like a little bit of a sanctuary, which sounds hilarious, but that's kind of my go-to place right now. It's going to date me, but I think sometimes of the Calgon commercials, Calgon, take me away. And it's like the woman in the bubble bath, the Calgon <laughs> bubble bath. Yeah, sometimes we need the bathtub. We do. <laughs> Anywhere that we can get alone with God. Although we, we talk a lot about, um, John Wesley, I think it was John Wesley's mom, Susanna Wesley, who would just throw her apron up over yes. her head. And that was her prayer closet. So, you know, you just do what you've got to do. Yes, absolutely. I know I come from a big family. There are eight kids in my family. Um, so somewhat big, I guess. And I, you know, Pretty my big. mom, she, she used to just go, she would like her, she had a little, you know, bedroom closet and she would just go in there and shut the door. And when she was in there, you know, having your quiet time praying, none of us were allowed in there. And we knew it was like very serious. And so we just, you know, you had to survive for however long she was in there as kids. And then she would come out and, you know, she needed it to survive. You have to have that, like that time with God or else oh, you just kind of, you know, all the screams and loud kids get to you. <laughs> well, I, so tell us a little bit about Girl Defined and how you and your sister, I just love this, that you and your sister co-founded this ministry. What what led you to that point of starting this ministry for young women and who's it for? Yeah. You know, we, like I said, we both come from a family with eight kids in it and there are five of us girls. So five sisters and Kristen and I are the oldest of the sisters. So we have three younger sisters. And so we grew up, you know, surrounded by a lot of girls. So naturally that was just our environment. There was a lot of girl talk, a lot of just relationship guys growing up, all the things that girls talk about and, and, and deal with. And so, um, you know, just being surrounded by that, obviously it was something that we were just soaking in. And so it was definitely, uh, a topic that was more top of mind. Um, you know, and, and we didn't grow up in a family just with all guys. So girl talk was very much present. And as we grew up, we just realized the, I guess a lack of discipleship amongst like Christian community in our circles. And that's something Kristen and I really longed for just for a few older girls or even just one to reach down and say, Hey, let me do life with you. Let me walk with you and um, talk to you about the real issues of life. And we had amazing parents and they were very intentional, but we really did long for that. And because Kristen and I didn't have that, um, you know, in person, we did have that through books and through some forms of media, but at, you know, in a, 
back in our day, <laughs> we didn't have much social media or many podcasts, things like that. So it was just a, a desire that God put on our hearts, put on our in our minds. And um, as the years went on, eventually we decided like, Hey, let's just do this. Let's create a community, like a sisterhood for girls all around the world who can get together and talk about God's word, learn about God's word and realize that, Hey, I'm not the only one asking these questions. I'm not the only one thinking these thoughts. And there are, there are tons of other girls who are asking these same questions and wanting to know how they can follow God and the areas of relationships or sexuality. Um, so we launched girl Defined ministries about six years ago, I guess. And ever since then, um, you know, God has just been kind of leading it and guiding it. And he's provided the opportunity for us to, you know, have a blog and a YouTube channel and now books. Um, and we really view ourselves just as like the older sisters in this group who want to reach out, link arms and say, Hey, you're not alone in this fight, in this journey of striving to follow Christ and live for him. Like we're here with you and we want to equip you along the way. So that's really how Girl Define got started. And that's kind of the heart of it today. I love that, that the heart of it is discipleship, because I think that is something that it's hard to come by. It's not something that's easy to find a mentor. And, you know, we go about our lives, we have activities, we have, you know, whatever, and finding a mentor and someone to really, and a godly mentor. I mean, you know, all, there are all kinds of mentors out there, all kinds of people to look up to. And it's great that you've yeah. provided that. Did you find that there was a real need for that, that girls were just longing for that also? Did you, yes. you gotten a response from them? Were they just like, thank you for this? You know, absolutely. Because it is so hard, you know, thinking of the modern girl, you know, it, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you're 16, even up, you know, obviously even into your forties and, and uh, even older, you know, there are so many voices that are surrounding us today. You know, you just have to go through the checkout aisle at the grocery store and you can look and see a magazine. And it's basically someone telling you like, Hey, here's the most beautiful woman in the world. And you look at that and you're like, wow, well, I'm not her. So clearly I don't measure up. And as much as you try to fight these lies, it can be hard because they're all around us. I mean, it's just, you know, go to a store and there's a song playing, you know, pretty much everywhere you go, you go, there are these messages telling you, Hey, here's who you need to be as a girl, as a woman, this is what defines your womanhood. And if you don't measure up to this ever staying changing, impossible standard, then you're not enough and you are not loved. You're not valuable. And we're not there. You know, the world's not saying those words, but these messages, these images, these songs are portraying that. And so we need to swim against that current and fight those lies and actually go to God's word and, and say, who does he say I am? What is my purpose? Who am I living for? Why did he create me? How should I use my body to glorify him? Why did he create me as a woman even, you know? And so, um, I, I feel like there is so much pressure on young women and women today. And so their response to the girl defined message has been like, wow, this is like a breath, breath of fresh air. Or I had no idea there were other people even asking those questions. I thought I was the only one, or I thought I was the only one who would struggle with this sort of like sexual sin issue. I had no idea there were other girls even dealing with this. And so when we talk about these topics that all girls are dealing with many are thinking about, um, it helps them to know, like, I'm not alone and God isn't so shocked by me that he wants nothing to do with me. Like there are, there is forgiveness in him. There is hope through the gospel. And he addresses many of these things that I'm dealing with in his word. And so it's, it's just a very, um, I guess, refreshing and healing place for a lot of young women. And it's, you know, the response has been more of a thank you for doing this. Not like, Oh, none of us are dealing with this, you know, it's like, yes, finally someone talking about this stuff. Oh, and I think in the church, especially, you know, I've, I've listened to a few episodes of your podcast and I loved your most recent one that we'll talk about a little later about the purity movement. Yeah. But 
I um, just, you're, you're so open. You talk about all the things and in, in the church, I think for girls that are growing up with a church construct to, to be part of, there's still this idea of this is how a good Christian girl is supposed mm-hmm. to look, not physically necessarily, but this is what a good Christian girl is supposed to do and act and put on the face and underneath the surface, there's all this ugliness yeah. going on that we all deal with and for sure they're afraid to admit it. And so I do love that, you know, just the place for, Hey, I can confess this. I can move yes. forward and know that I'm not, uh, not going to be shunned by God or yeah. by this community of women I mean, and girls that's yeah. Yeah. You know, really and I, I grew up in obviously like a Christian home, a Christian church. And so I know a lot of women feel that way where there is like, you feel like even in the Christian circles, there's a certain standard of Christian womanhood. And that's kind of, instead of it being like, oh, we are Christians and we follow Jesus because we need him. It's almost like a workspace salvation in some ways. And so we can get caught up in that feeling of like, okay, I need to measure up in order to even be valuable in order to be accepted by the people around me. And that only creates this continued, I guess, cycle and bondage of, I'm not going to tell anyone the things I'm struggling with. I'm not going to share the things I'm dealing with because people would be shocked by this, or they would just consider me like, okay, well, you're not really worth anything now. Or, you know, so I think that in so many ways, we, as the church can perpetuate the problem, which is why I'm so grateful for your podcast, because it helps to kind of, you know, take that, take that away and helps young women and women to know like, Hey, it's okay. We can talk about this stuff. Yeah. Well, I had an experience just a couple of weeks ago, my own daughter, who's seven said, you know, we're, we're in the car on the way to hockey practice. And she just said, uh, I don't remember how it started, but she said, when I look in the mirror sometimes, and I said, yeah, go ahead. And she's like, "Never mind." And I'm like, no, I want to hear this because I knew what was coming. She said, well, I just don't feel like I'm that I look as pretty as some of the other girls that I see. And I mean, my heart just broke. I sobbed after I, you know, dropped her off. I, I was in the car and I just cried. I thought I didn't know that it would start this soon. This idea of I'm not enough or I'm not as much as someone else. And it's not like she's, you know, uh, exposed to a whole lot of pop culture or, you know, it's just, it's just life. And she just has this feeling. So do you, excuse me, do you find that that is a common, is that I'd like to know some of the big Mm. struggles that you see in your conversations with young women. What are the, what are the top struggles that you see girls and women struggling with when it comes to navigating, just being a Christian woman today. Yeah. Well, in that, you know, it breaks my heart for, you know, young girls because it is, it is hard. And I think we all have that moment where at some point or another, we ask that question, like, am I, am I pretty or am I whatever our version of that is? And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I can remember being a young girl and asking that same question too, and doing super silly things to, to try to measure up. And I didn't consciously realize I was doing it, but looking back, it's like, wow, was doing that. I think some of the biggest, you know, questions and struggles that, um, kind of we hear about and we address on a regular basis are, obviously anything surrounding like guys relationships that, you know, if we write a blog, post a video, post anything about that, it skyrockets, you know, like it does, it's just everyone they're clicking on it, clicking on it because as much as we 
don't want to think that that's such like we have to have that you know in order to be happy um it it's so hard for single women and that's a huge part of our audience it's so hard for young women not to feel like they you know, they need to have a guy in order to be happy or in order to be valuable. And, you know, when you look around and you think, okay, she's got a boyfriend or she's married or, you know, look at her, she has a guy that notices her and you don't have that. You can't help so often, but think like, what's wrong with me? Why don't I have that attention? Or why am I not in a relationship or why am I not married? You know, whatever those questions are for your season of life. And so that is a huge struggle um, that we are encouraging single women in all the time. And we deal with that specifically in our book, Love Defined, just helping single women and even, even girls who are just really longing for marriage at that age to, to help them to know how to thrive in this season and to not wait, to not put their life on hold, to not say, okay, my life will begin when I get this next thing, but really to say, no, God, he woke me up today. He has a purpose for me today. And he has me in this specific stage and I'm going to live for him and glorify him and serve him right where he has me. And I can thrive right where he has me. So that's definitely a big one. I think the other two biggest areas by far are obviously anything to do with beauty and just physical appearance. It's hard. I mean, I, I just, I can't even imagine. I didn't grow up with social media. I'm older than that, Um, but pretty much everyone younger than me now has. And just the filters, the, you know, amounts of images that are Photoshopped and posted at just the right angle. Mm -hmm. um, You know, it is so hard and I am, you know, a fully grown woman and I, Uh, you know, I even wrestle with that, just seeing like, wow, you know, even I had a baby recently and I, and I look and I'm like, wait, she had a baby around the same time as me. Like how in the world did she, how does she look like that? You know? And so it's hard. It doesn't matter like which season you're in that comparison is so, so difficult. And then the biggest one that that I, I say for last is just anything to do with sex and sexuality. I think right now, specifically in our day and age, there are so many messages being um, kind of forced down our throats about these topics. And it's very, very, um, you know, just not politically correct in so many ways to talk about this or even to be a Christian and hold to biblical values on just even, you know, saving sex for marriage or thoughts on sexuality, identity, anything to do with that. Um, You know, it's kind of like be on the right side of history or be quiet, you know, or you are going to be canceled or, you know, don't talk about this. And so um, I think it's just making it even more confusing for the Christian girl who wants to honor God in this area um, and wants to, you know, live for him, wants to understand her identity, wants to, wants to do this. You know, it's hard because there aren't a lot of Christians even talking about it. So it's just, I would say that is one area that I, I feel like needs to be talked about the most just because it's so difficult and confusing. Yeah, it definitely is. I think there, there are, it, it's hard. It's hard to navigate. And that's why I loved your episode on the purity movement and what, you know, redefining purity in terms of what the Bible says. So for those, or purity culture, I guess. So for those that haven't grown up with it, what was kind of the purity yeah. movement? Can you d- sort of sort of define that? I'm sure a lot of people listening will be like, oh yeah, I know what she's <laughs> talking about. And some might not because maybe yeah. they haven't experienced it. Yeah. So I guess the purity, purity culture or the purity movement is something that I, so I'm 32. That's something that technically I would have grown up in. Um, and it's something that nowadays, a lot of people refer to as kind of this movement of Christianity that kind of responded to like 
you know, seventies, eighties, free love, kind of like everyone just, you know, follow your heart, have sex with whoever you want to, you know, live however you want to. Um, so Christians kind of responded to that movement and in some ways, you know, kind of swinging to the extreme, to the other side, basically saying like, Hey, you know, like there's a huge emphasis on, you know, saving sex till marriage, which is a biblical thing, but such an emphasis to where it kind of became the most important thing. And almost to the point where like saving sex for marriage and just like sex is a big no, no, there was just a big emphasis on that, but not a lot of focus on the heart. So the purity movement for some people became this, just this whole movement where there was the true love weights movement, purity rings. And they kind of now associate that with, wow, like that was kind of damaging for me in some ways, because all I heard was no, 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 don't have sex, don't have sex. And if you were someone who had, you know, had sex before marriage, or maybe, you know, you um, waited and then you got married and you're like, wow, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. It just became kind of hurtful and very confusing for a lot of people. So there are many, you know, women now my age who look back and who say that was awful. That was terrible. Like, I, you know, don't agree with that. So they kind of are now swinging back and saying, I'm going to do whatever I want to, or I have, you know, a struggling marriage, or I don't understand what's going on. Like, I feel confused. How do I even think about sex? So in a broad nutshell, that's kind of what it's all about. And um, I do think it's something that's important to talk about, like purity, uh, what is a biblical approach to sex, because there have been some confusing messages. So I do think it's important for us to, to discuss that from a biblical perspective. Yeah, I think, um, you know, as, as teenagers and young women and even older women in, in their single lives, I feel like it's, um, it can be dangerous to just say, you know, put, okay, sex is the unforgivable sin, sex outside of marriage. It's the unforgivable sin. It's the absolute worst because then it becomes like this forbidden fruit. Yeah. It mentally becomes this thing that's dirty or wrong Mm -hmm. and, you know, not that the message that God wants sex to be confined to marriage, but not that that's wrong, but the way that it's delivered, you know, and packaged, I I really feel like there are some things that, that purity culture got wrong. So what would you say specifically either from personal experience or Mm. people you've talked to, what did it get right? What did it get wrong? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, what it got right probably was the boldness to, in the, in a way that I do think was filled with good intention, trying to say like, Hey, here's what God's word has to say. His way is good. You know, best for us. Um, let's follow him. Let's save sex for marriage. Cause the Bible talks about that. So I think they did get that right, but it was missing a whole lot. You know, it was missing this, like, you know, this whole part that God isn't like a, a gumball machine where you stick your quarters in like, okay, I didn't have sex until marriage, put my quarters in and now I'm going to get the reward. Um, I think it kind of put God in that light that he is like, you know, uh, just a rewards machine and we do the right thing and we get these great rewards out. And so then, you know, if you do the right thing and you feel like you don't get the reward, it's like, what, you know, or women who don't get married and they're like, what happened to my plans? You know, which was me. I didn't get married till I was 30. And it's like, but I'm doing all of these right things. Why? You know. Um, And so I think that's the part that became kind of disillusioning for a lot of, a lot of women. And I think that when the emphasis for purity, like you, you are pure, if you save sex till marriage and you are impure, if you don't, I think that's very divisive and it's not very, it's not how the Bible talks about purity. It doesn't say like purity is saving sex for marriage. And we have the pure and the impure because truly we are all impure before Christ. And none of us is like 
born perfectly sexually pure. And we stay that way until marriage. Like we all struggle. We all have lustful thoughts and, you know, striving for a heart of purity and a desire to honor God and to not lust after others continues even into marriage. You know, like if marriage was the answer to all of our problems, then why are there divorces? Why do people struggle with viewing pornography or masturbation or other things within marriage that, um, you know, aren't cured by just having sex and marriage. So I think that we need to make sure that we don't view marriage as the answer to all of our problems or having sex as the answer to all of our problems, because you, you're going to get there and you're going to be like, oh, well, the honeymoon was great, but why, why am I still struggling with lust? And so I think it's important to realize like, you know, sin isn't solved by just a circumstance, like it's a heart issue. And so when it comes to the topic of purity, we need to realize like, oh, this is a heart's desire, a desire to honor God, to choose to follow him, to obey his word. And he does say, you know, that, that sex should be reserved for the marriage bed. That's his good covenant place. You know, even Adam and Eve, he created them within a covenant of marriage and then gave them the gift of sex. And so realizing God does have a good place for this gift. And it's something to be celebrated within that covenant, but it's not the answer to all of my problems. And even when you get married, it's something to be cultivated and really a journey that you go on with your spouse to learn and grow and to love them. And it's an act of service of celebrating that with them, not just something that you get that, you know, satisfies all your needs. So I think that purity culture missed the depth. And so I think it's important that we go back and go deeper and say, okay, what is the purpose of sex? What is the purpose of marriage? Why am I waiting? Um, just ask those deeper questions and try to get to the heart of the matter rather than just saying like, no sex till marriage. All right, here we go. <laughs> right. Because then the question, and I remember this, you know, as, as a, a young woman, just having this conversation in, in terms of Christian boundaries, well, what is sex? What is wrong? Yeah. Where is the line? Cause it's not like it's bam, there's a boundary. And I also know on the other side, there, there were people that I knew that were like, well, I'm a virgin still. And mm. yet there were lots of other things happening that were yeah. not pure, but it was that line. As long as I check that box, that this particular act doesn't happen, that means that I'm pure, you know, and exactly. you're right. It's a heart condition that is. And anytime we address the external, I mean, mm -hmm. it goes back to the, the, Israelites and the covenant, you know, of, yeah. of the law where the law was focused on the actions and it's impossible to uphold in that way, you know? And For so sure. when we focus, you know, Jesus gave us this freedom to say, okay, look, fix your eyes on me. When I am your heart's desire, then yes. these other things become a little more manageable. Not that we're going to be perfect, but when we focus on the heart and where we're finding our value, where we are finding our security, I think it yeah. becomes easier. Now that's easy for me to say as a non young woman anymore, and I'm married, but, um, but again, in marriage, there are still those yeah. struggles and it's who, where is your identity? What are your expectations for marriage? What are your expectations yeah. for sex? And it's just, yeah, it's, it goes so much deeper than that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree 100%. Well, I'm curious, and I don't know, I know you work a lot with younger women, yeah. but just as a, I know that our podcast, we have listeners that typically are probably in the older, um, not young woman range. I know we have some young women that listen, yeah. but like, you know, moms and mm -hmm. maybe single women. We have some women that are divorced or have yeah. never been married in their older years that are what is the, what are the unique challenges of women mm. when it comes to expectations of sex 
either after they've already been married or if they're, you know, back in the dating scene after a divorce or a death of Mm -hmm. a spouse, or even if they're still single, because I just have this, I have this idea that it has kind of become, oh, well, you know, maybe some Christian women, even that maybe saved themselves for marriage are like, well, I'm an adult now, so it's okay. Or maybe the men that we're finding in Christian circles have that. I don't know. Have you had any discussions about that? (laughs) Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yes, you know, I actually did. I was talking to a friend and we were talking about um, just this whole topic of sex because we, you know, at the time she was single and, um, you know, I, I got, like I said, I got married when I was 30. So I had a lot of friends who were now kind of like approaching 30 or even in their thirties or older who were single or had been divorced or whatever. They were back kind of looking for that person. And we both agreed, me and my friend were like, you have to kind of ask, a, you know, if you're getting to know someone, what their thoughts are on the topic of sex and even, you know, deeper topics like pornography, because even in the Christian circles, there are very different views. And I remember a friend sharing with me that she asked a certain guy that she was getting to know what his thoughts are on saving sex for marriage. And he basically told her that, you know, that sex before marriage was a very important thing to him and that he, you know, needed that as a part of the relationship. And it was someone who was very highly recommended in the church. And so you're like, wow, that you know, was kind of surprising. Like that was not what she was expecting. And so I think it is very important to ask ourselves like, okay, does there come a point where the Bible no longer applies to us or we outgrow certain aspects? And I think again and again and again in scripture, we see that sex in um, the celebrated way and in God's design for it is always good within the covenant of marriage. And so it doesn't matter if you have been divorced, if you are single and you're 40, um, if you are single and you're 50, Um, I think that it's so important to say, okay, is there ever an exception? Like, does does God say, well, now that you've reached a certain age, kind of do whatever you want. It doesn't really matter. And I, you know, another story of someone who was divorced recently, she um, had met someone and they, you know, both of them actually had kids already and people asked them like, so are y'all like moving in together or what are y'all going to do before you get married? And she made it super clear. Like, you know, we've both been married before we both have kids, but you know, divorce was never what they wanted in their life. And both of them, their spouses left them. And it was just such a tragic situation. And I know some of our listeners may find themselves in that position, but they made it very clear that they believed that God's design for sex was within the covenant of marriage and they weren't going to move in together. They weren't going to, you know, have sex until they got married. And I thought that was a great example of an older, mature couple, you know, who life and and divorce was never what they wanted. And it was so heartbreaking for them, but they recognized that God still had a plan for that, for the covenant. And they did not want to engage in sexual intimacy outside of that covenant. And, you know, I think that's a good example to us. Like we need to think about this and we need to ask ourselves, like, where is the, the right context and where is the appropriate place to learn and grow with that other person? And it really is within the covenant of marriage. Um, and it's, you know, it's a great journey to go on and to learn with that other person. And I, and I think we, as women, we need to start talking about it in a more 
positive way. And even if you are single learning about it in a way that is truly biblical and saying, okay, sex isn't just something that's just for men or something that is, you know, just to be tolerated or something that, you know, maybe good sometimes and not others. It's a journey that we need to go on to really learn and say, okay, like how can I come to view this in a way that is really beautiful? That is really um, like my, you know, servant hearted um, and, and just gaining that understanding, I think will help, help not only you wait for the right context, but also to help you thrive once you're within that context. Cause trust me, I know a lot of women and I'm sure you have too, who are not, you know, they really tolerate that within your marriage. And I think that's a whole nother topic, but that's sad to me as well. So I think we all need to get back to studying it from a biblical perspective so that we can fully embrace it, um, rightly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, then that kind of leads us into this other curiosity that I have about kind of what it looks like for either a young woman or a more mature woman that Mm -hmm. is looking to be married in the future. Um, How do you feel? So how can, how can girls and women, how can we invite God into Mm -hmm. the process and partner with him in this search? Um, specifically, I'm just kind of wondering about how you feel about the list. So, you know, I know growing up and in yeah. youth group, it was like, you have to have a list. You write down every single thing that you want in yes. hand and you don't settle for a thing less, you know, than that list. Um, and dating for fun versus courting, yeah. which is, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of pressure yes. in some circles to, there is one man out there for you. That yeah. is it. You wait for him and then you court, you don't date, yes. you don't go out. So what, what are your thoughts on yeah. what does this process look like? Obviously it's different for every woman, yeah. every girl, God is, he, he yeah. treats us as individuals, but what are your thoughts? Yes. I want to hear you. <laughs> You know, so I, I would say I fell into that category, especially in my late teens, my early twenties, I was definitely, even though I hadn't been taught like, okay, necessarily like there's only one for you. And you know, you must have this huge list. I really bought into a lot of those ideas and just kind of in my black and white sort of thinking and rule following sort of way, just like, okay, I have been a good girl, you know, this good Christian girl and God's going to bring me this great husband. And here's my whole list. He's got to be, you know, all of these things, basically expecting like a 20 something year old to be like this super seminary pastor graduate, you know, but only, <laughs> right. you know, seriously, it's like my expectations were insane. Um, and you know, that he, you know, I'm really tall. I'm six one. So he needed to be taller than me. He needed to look this way. And I love basketball. So he's got to be into basketball. Um, you know, all of these things that I really had this, this massive list and God really humbled my heart throughout my, you know, years of, you know, getting into relationships and them not working out and kind of helping me to re evaluate my priorities and see if I was just, you know, in this thing to have it done my way on my schedule with the kind of guy that I wanted. And through that process, I was really humbled to, to realize, you know, like maybe it's not just about following a specific list of rules that I have created. Maybe it's about being one, like a little bit more open to who God might have for me that looks different than maybe what I always would have imagined. And am I really concerned about his heart or do I just want him to say all of these right things? Mm. Um, And so as I, you know, kind of approached my later twenties, I really realized wow, I, I don't want a man who can just say all of the right things, who can just open up his Bible and say, yes, here's what I believe. And we share all of the same convictions, but he doesn't really have truly a heart for God. And he doesn't really want to honor God for himself. He's just kind of like a yes, man. He knows, he knows how to get the good Christian girl. Cause he can say all the right things. I mean, anyone can do that. You know, like it's, it's not easy to win over someone just by saying the right things, but does he really care? Um, and so 
for me, I ended up finally meeting someone who I'd actually known for many, many years, but he uh, was five and a half years younger than me and a little bit shorter than me, which those things would have been like the nevers, you know, especially the shorter, like never, I'm already so tall. He must be taller. Um, and, and even the list, it was like, oh, you know, he's not this seminary graduate, but wow, he really, really desires to honor God for himself. And he makes choices to get involved with his church, to be a part of, you know, discipleship groups, to, to do these things for himself, not just to put on a show, but as I got to know him, it was like, wow, that's really amazing. And, um, and even how we went about the relationship, we, you know, it was less about, okay, we must have all of these specific things in place because we want other people to look on at us and say, look at them, look how they're going about their relationship. You know, it was just, it was a lot less pride filled, um, which so much of my previous relationships had been so much about appearance or looking a certain way or being this amazing example. Um, and my relationship with Dave, who I ended up marrying was the sweetest. Um, and truly, I felt like in so many ways, the most honoring to God, because both of our hearts just wanted to honor God. And we were seeking advice from older couples and welcoming input, not because we were trying to put on some sort of air and, you know, people to praise us, but just because we wanted to do the right thing. And we ended up getting married. We have a sweet little boy and he's still shorter than me. <laughs> My husband is, he never grew and I never shrunk. And so this thing that would have been a deal breaker, you know, when I was younger, um, you know, God changes our heart, you know, changed my heart and, and we love each other. And I think it's amazing and I wouldn't want it any other way. And so I think it is, you know, we really do have to kind of humble ourselves before God and truly ask ourselves, like, what are our priorities and why is that a priority to me? And what do I really want? Like, if I really care about the heart of a man before God, then what would be my greatest priority? And I think when you realign your heart with how God sees us and what he wants from us and the desire to honor him. I think that our attraction who we're attracted to even changes because mm. we desire something different in a man. And I know that was true for me and, and has been for other of my friends. And I think that's such a beautiful thing when that happens. Oh, that's such a good point. And, you know, you make the, a good point that you can have a list, but the list needs to be the right things, yeah. you know, and um, it doesn't mean that you can just compromise and say, oh, well, you know, he doesn't really have to be a Christian. Maybe I can yes. make him come around at some point or, yeah. um, but you know, at, to make sure that your list is, is God's list yes. and that maybe a few Absolutely. of the boxes aren't going to necessarily be checked. Like you think. Yes, um, I agree. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of, when you talk about pride and that, I think there is kind of in this, when we layer these expectations on ourselves it can be for the wrong reasons I think I think there can be pride involved yeah. like look at us look how we're doing this and I fell into those traps too where it's mm -hmm. like well, look at us we're doing it this way and we're making it very clear that blah 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 yes. and um you know that's different from like your friend that you were talking about the two previously married with yeah. kids making it very clear that hey we're saving ourselves for this marriage yeah. um that's different exactly. that's not necessary that's let's just make it be known. But when it comes to doing some of the, I don't know, I, I can't think of even an example, I guess, just going, you know, going for, for mentorship, just so people yeah. can see that you're doing that yeah. and making, you know, making a point to look a certain way in, in the yeah. relationships, yeah. the boundaries that you set and the structure that you put around yeah. your relationship should be for you and for God. And yes. Not, not for show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and that was one of the things I so appreciated about Dave is that he really helped us in that, um, you know, setting up boundaries to, you know, 
not only just to obviously help ourselves because we are fallen sinners, but to also create freedom in our relationship to where we weren't always, okay, you know, getting close to the line, you know, and then all our entire relationship is about discussing, you know, are we, are we going too far? We set up pretty strict boundaries in our relationship, not to be better than now, but really to just give us freedom to not have to worry about that as much. Um, yeah. so that we can enjoy just getting to know each other as friends and see like, Hey, are, should we spend the rest of our lives together? And we really, you know, some people thought we were crazy, but we did set up like pretty strict boundaries for ourselves. Um, you know, we didn't hold hands until we were engaged. We didn't kiss until our wedding. And people were like, that is so extreme and ridiculous. And, you know, we set up boundaries like we wouldn't, when we were alone in the car, we wouldn't touch. And so we would drive places by ourselves, but we wouldn't touch. And no one was forcing that on us. It was just things we chose to basically help ourselves out to give us some freedom to enjoy the relationship to enjoy getting to know each other without always like okay do we go too far and for us personally that was just super helpful and I look back and for me personally I'm glad we did that and that may not be exactly what everyone else needs to do but for us it was really awesome and so whenever I think about boundaries and I encourage others in relationships I always want to encourage them you know don't ask how much can I get away with but like okay how many boundaries can I set up so that we can really just focus on the friendship, focus on getting to know each other? Because the truth is when you start including physical touch, it is true. Like we kind of lose a few brain cells, you know, especially when you're in those <laughs> dating and engaged days, you know, I've been there and I know many other girls who have been there too, you know? And so it's not a matter of saying like, but we don't trust each other. It's like, no, you're just trying to set yourself up for success and realize like, this is a short-term road. You're not going to be dating forever, you know? And if it works out, you're not going to have any regrets. You're not going to look back and go, man, I just wish we would have sat in the car at night, kissed and kissed more. You know, you, you can kiss all you want when you get married. It's, it's going to be fine. You know, it's a short-term road. So I, as hard as it can be, I think those boundaries can be a really great thing um, to help us enjoy the relationship without necessarily being totally bogged down by constant conversations about, you know, did we go too far? I love that. That's such a good, um, that that's such a good way to look at it. Just that the, that the boundaries give you freedom. I mean, it's yeah. kind of a conundrum, but it's, it's very true because yeah. it is so hard. You really do. You know, when you go right up to the limit, yes. then you're just constantly wondering, well, did I, did I, did I put my toe over the line? Yes. <laughs> Or yeah. not. And then you have the conversation or you, yes. you know, feel guilty and, and there's, yeah, it's, it's nice to have the boundaries that, mm -hmm. yeah, that's great. Well, how do you, um, how do you suggest that someone that is looking for a relationship or is wanting to be in a relationship, how can, can a girl or a woman know if she's ready for dating mm. someone or if she's in danger of seeking romance and companionship as a way to fill a void that God was meant to fill. I remember as a kid, mm -hmm. um, I don't know, I wasn't even that old, but I was a young teenager. And I remember I would have family members and friends of the family that hadn't seen me for a long time. And they see that I've grown up a little and they're like, oh, so you have a boyfriend? Do you have a boyfriend? Yeah. And I considered I was not, I, I don't think I was that young when I had my first boyfriend or that old when I had my first boyfriend, but I felt like I was the last person oh. on the planet to, to have a boyfriend. And I felt less than, and yeah. I felt like there was something wrong with me and, mm. and people kept asking, so do you have a boyfriend? You know, wink, wink. Yes. That was it. That was, I, I somehow got in my head that that would make me 
yeah. worthy of, of being a woman or, or something that I would be enough Absolutely. once I had a boyfriend yeah. and that can be so damaging. So how can someone know if yeah. they're in danger of seeking that companionship as a way to fill a void that really God is supposed to fill? Yeah. You know, that is, that is a great question. And it's hard because marriage is a beautiful thing that God created and the desire for it um, in, in the right way can be a beautiful thing. And so I, you know, I never want to tell a woman like, Oh, you know, don't desire marriage. Cause it, it is such a beautiful thing. And I love, I love that even in our, you know, modern day with, you know, you know, kind of the other swinging to the other side, there can be so many messages kind of on a far feminist side saying like, you know, you take care of you and don't, you know, don't desire marriage. So I know I never want us to go there. So I want, I think it's beautiful that women still desire that. But I remember being in that place, just, you know, like you, and you feel behind, you feel like everyone's getting married, but you, I was a bridesmaid so many times and I'm tall. So I caught a lot of bouquets that brides through and everyone's like, you're next. And I'm like, I've already caught five of these before. I'm not next, you know, like, (laughs) I don't think I'm ever getting married. Um, But I know for me, this is the point that I came to. And so I know it will be different for each woman, like how they get to this place. But I know for me, I got to this point where I had to ask myself, okay, what is my purpose in life? Is my purpose to get married and, and that's my main purpose in life or is my purpose to live for God and glorify him? Um, and then he chooses the context that that happens in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to ask myself, like, what am I living for truly? And there came kind of a point of reckoning for me where I realized, wow, I really was struggling to believe that, you know, like my life didn't begin until I got married or had a serious boyfriend. And I had to come to the point of just having kind of a moment where I surrendered that and said, God, I realize now that my purpose is to live for you, to glorify you. And if you want me to do that married, great. But my purpose remains the same as a married woman. My purpose is still to live for you, to glorify you, to serve you. And I'll do that in a different way by loving my husband, taking care of kids. If you give those to us, um, I will come alongside him and we'll both be living for you, but my purpose never changes. And so I think for a single woman or a married woman, but especially in this context, a single woman has to ask herself like, okay, what do you truly believe is the purpose of your life? Do you truly believe that it's to get married and that's how you, the only way you can glorify God, or do you surrender that desire to God? Do you trust him with that and say, God, I, I want to serve you. I want to glorify you. That's my purpose. And if I get married, my purpose doesn't change. And if I stay single, my purpose doesn't change my context, my circumstances, the way I do that will change, but my purpose is always the same. And that remains throughout the rest of our lives. If you're married, if you have a spouse that died, um, if you have kids, if you struggle with infertility, your purpose doesn't ever change because if if you, you know, the only way for you to glorify God was to get married and have kids, you know, I didn't get married till I was 30. And Kristen, my sister who runs Girl Defined with me, she's been married for 10 years and her and her husband have struggled with infertility and have had three miscarriages. And so both of us had to come to the place like, wow, what is our purpose? Cause this is, looks different than what we imagined it to be. So I think if a woman can recognize that and really pray and ask God to change her heart, to help her to truly live in a way that reflects that she wants to glorify God no matter what. I think there's so much freedom that can be found. And then marriage becomes a beautiful covenant and this place that you can enter into without it needing to be your everything. Because trust me, no man can fully make you happy and to put that burden on him to say, hey, you need to be my everything. Now you are my purpose. This is my everything. Like 
it's going to be a big disappointment. Um, and so coming into marriage with that mindset of, Hey, my purpose is to glorify God. And I'm now going to do it with you in this new set of circumstances, I think will make your marriage truly so much more abundant and filling because, um, you have that focus. Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, that is so, I love the way that you said that just this, this perspective of, it doesn't matter whether you're not married or whether you are, that purpose doesn't change. Your focus needs to be that, that you're kind of, uh, at, at God in God's service in the service of the King, no matter where you are and what you're doing. Yeah. And, you know, it can be hard both before you're married, or if you're not married and you want to be married, or it could be hard after you're married, especially if you make marriage, if you expect marriage to fill a void and you make that Absolutely. relationship an idol, or you make that institution of marriage an idol that you just elevate above everything yeah. that could, that can bring a lot of damage and disappointment. So, yeah. And you know, I, someone did tell me once that they were like, you know, I, I think you're not married because I just feel like you're just content. And I don't ever want women to hear lines like that because, you know, I was like, mm -hmm. so you're telling me all the married women in the world are content. Like I'm seeing a lot of discontent married women. And we do not have to arrive at a certain place in order for God to give us that gift and allow us to grow in the covenant of marriage. Um, God brings married women, some who are really young, get married. You know, my brother, he just got married and his wife is, you know, she was 20 or 21 when they got married. She's young and I got married at 30. So God has a different plan and journey for each of us, but it's that heart of saying, okay, my purpose is to glorify God. That's, I think that's gotta be the heart. Um, or else the expectations are just going to be out, like so high and that's going to be hard to work through. Yeah. Well, that is good. Well, we are out of time. I, I definitely would love to hear more, but, um, people can find out more though on your website that where can people find you and your sister and girl to find yeah. and your books and your podcast, all that stuff. All the things. So girldefined.com is kind of like the landing hub spot um, or just any social media platform. Just look up at Girl Defined. Uh, we'd love to connect and just, you know, continue encouraging. I know you've got great encouragement here and these awesome conversations you're having are amazing, but we'd love to just link arms and join in that journey. That's great. Um, and where are you on social media? You have YouTube. You, well, does yeah. you everything at Girl Defined, they can find all your social media yes. stuff too. So YouTube and Instagram are kind of our bit. That's where we post a lot of content. So okay. YouTube girl defined and then Instagram at girl defined. And then our podcast is called the girl defined show. So that's where we, you know, we had that whole episode where we talked about purity culture and the purity movement. We always, we try to have long form conversations over there about kind of the, the big topics that women ask about. So we kind of, you know, keep it, keep it interesting over there. It is interesting. It's some good stuff. So head over and check it out. Well, how can we pray for you today? I'm going to close this up in prayer. Thank you so much. You know, we have a lot going on um, with Girl Define this year, and this is a big, a big year for me figuring out how to be a mom and how to balance that with the ministry. Um, and so just prayers for continued wisdom on how to, you know, um, balance that and prioritize my family and, and continue this work. Um, it's, definitely a new experience since I was single for so long. I had no real responsibilities like a child. So I had a dog, but that, you know, not the same. Not the so same. <laughs> just prayers for, you know, continuing to figure out how to, to figure that out would be awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. We really, we, I've loved this conversation. Thanks. God, we just thank you for this time. 
Lord, I just thank you for Bethany and for Kristen and the ministry that you've placed on their hearts and that you've just grown and, and reached girls and women with. I just pray for Bethany today that you would just um, give her wisdom to know how to balance being a mom and a wife with ministry. It's kind of the, the constant balancing act that we need to do. And we just pray that you would give her total um, alignment with your priorities, that there would be no either or, that it would be just a real clear picture of how they work together and how she can shift from doing one and the other seamlessly. Um, we just uh, ask that you would bless her marriage, that you would um, bless her baby and just give this ministry vision and purpose and open doors for Girl Defined to reach even more women and, and young girls than, than Bethany and Kristen ever could have imagined. Lord, we just pray that you'd be glorified in this time, that the women and the girls listening would just be, be reached by you, God, and by your Holy Spirit, that each one would feel beautiful and loved and important and just anointed by you for amazing things and confident in their identity in you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.